Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. This episode, Jack and Earl are discussing the fourth episode of Star Trek Prodigy's first season. It's called Dreamcatcher. So according to my research, yes. there will be 20 episodes of Star Trek Prodigy. That is dope. That's exactly what I want to hear. Thank you for that. that that's kind of what I wanted to hear, too. You're welcome. This is what I needed to know. Uh, <laughs> except, you know, my work, our workload uh, has increased. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad for finally a 20-season uh, uh, 20 episode season uh, in, yes. in Star Trek. I'm, that's yes. phenomenal. I'm yeah. super excited for that. I can't wait. In New Trek. Well, so we have we have Prodigy for the next uh, 16 weeks. So that's another yeah. three months of Prodigy. So that's December, January, February, which means that uh, maybe we'll have something else starting uh, mm-hmm. with yeah. this. Will we have something else starting with Discovery on the air? Because Discovery starts next week with next week's episode of, at the same time as next week's episode of Prodigy. Oh, really? Yeah, we'll have two episodes next week. How are we supposed to watch them both at the same time? Well, we have to watch one, watch the other. One should drop at midnight, and the other one should drop at midnight on one. I'll agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Good, wonderful, beautiful day audience this is earl gray my name is jack dorino we are reviewing star trek prodigy season one episode four dream catcher (laughs) wow i've never thought that would work you know i was watching the opener for this episode and i have i'm gonna i'm gonna backpedal to uh, last episode, our, our last episode, sure. yep, in yep. which we were discussing the morphing of the ship that I hadn't seen. And guess what? I have now seen it. <laughs> okay. It's actually very clear. And I think I saw it the first time, the first couple of times, but I didn't really pay attention to it. Yeah. The, the nacelles definitely bank sort of outward and down and back. And mm-hmm. then the back, whole like back section of the ship kind of like opens up and a whole drive pops out of the back. The whole new third new yeah. So there is definitely so that trail that I was seeing in the trailer, the trail in the trailer, the trail in the credits that I was watching earlier, yeah. is actually a, a third drive system. I'm curious yep. to learn what that is. I think Zero is is eager to know what that is too. That's <laughs> exactly where I was going. So let's walk through the episode. All right. The first thing that happens is a captain's log. It was very interesting. Yeah, or an, an attempt at one. Yes. I don't know why he didn't just go and ask her what the star date is. Is it important what the star date is? I mean, maybe. I mean, for a captain's log, I guess it is kind of important what a star date is, just for the reporting of things. But I'm sure that there's a timestamp on the recording anyway. You know, come to think of it, why do captains <laughs> ever say the star date? Isn't there a timestamp oh, on the recording? I, I know what it is. Please. So you don't it. always. When you write in your journal, when you write about ha- something that happened in a day, does it have necessarily that you're writing it in the same day that you were, that you're talking about? No, but the recording has a timestamp for that day, and you can say, you know, such and such happened a few day- days ago. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, it the timestamp would definitely have a. There would definitely be a timestamp on it. If you want to save your listener from trying to figure out the timestamp and trying to like check the metadata to see when it is, 
Yeah. Then I suppose you could you should just say what date it is. Yeah. Now these these rings are gorgeous. I they almost look like they inserted a uh, NASA picture from like a Voyager probe or something that went to go to Saturn and or or maybe a, a, a Hubble space telescope. You mean the rings that are in the uh, opener? Yeah, the rings in the very beginning of the sure. very yeah. Okay. They they look almost like they were copied out of the Saturn's rings. Oh, I wonder. Well, I'm sure that there's some sort of uh, inspiration drawn from the Saturn's rings. Those rings have been in our collective consciousness for so long now, and getting yeah. clearer and clearer every time we send a. Yeah. I did notice how small the planet that is that the orb ring. Oh, I didn't see that Bro. before. Zero just fell on her face. Their face. Does zero have a face? The glass window in the front of her orb that faceplate sure yes absolutely <laughs> so the next thing that happens is that somehow uh we fire we accidentally fire a torpedo yeah that's not gonna ever come back and biting them in the <laughs> i feel like maybe there should be more uh, fail safes on the system than being able to accidentally fire a photon torpedo but hey yeah. let's not worry about and let's just move on to the astrometrics lesson astrometrics <laughs> sure. lesson <laughs> the, the thing that bugged me is they're in she says the Herogen system but how did they get all the way into the interior of the Herogen space without getting attacked or I don't know tried to be hunted yeah, if we're in the if we're in the Herogen area Herogen area at all then uh, I imagine that oh Herogen Herogen which ones are they also oh, they are not the ones I was thinking that they were the ones that like did the dumping of fuel into the pocket zone and then I was thinking they were the Kazon do Herogen, no, Herogen are the hunters? Is that what they do? Yeah, they're the hunters. They wear, oh, they're, okay. wear the uh, helmets and the armor. Gotcha. Gotcha. Is that... Do they hunt the Tosk? No, from... that's a t Deep Space Nine episode. Yeah, I just wonder... The ta the Tosk is from uh, the Gamma Quadrant. Yeah, they are indeed. Yeah. The Herogen were at near the end of Star Trek Voyager. I think there was a couple episodes with them. There was the episode where they were in the holodeck on the Voyager and they would expose the Voyager crew to various uh, historical events in, in the date, you know, the Voyager database for history. So they put them in like World War II settings and they were, they were the Nazis and they would just be fighting, you know, and hunting the, the humans and uh -huh. the Borgies and, and whatever. Gotcha. And for some reason, the Voyager crew didn't have their memories and they kept on reanimating them and the only one that really knew that the crew was taken over and the ship was taken over was the doctor and he was just so pissed how he kept on having to reanimate you know the voyager crew and stuff and and wipe their memories so that they didn't remember that they weren't part of the actual hologram and stuff so yep. yes after our astrometrics lesson <laughs> yes we uh we see gwen back in jail Mm -hmm. Right, and uh, Janeway mentions that she has no record of a diviner. Ah, uh, zero. When does them need legs? When does them need legs? Yeah. So Gwen was back in jail. Janeway, I think. I think it's mm -hmm. odd that Janeway said that she has no record of a diviner because they diviner for the, the diviner is referring to the ship as his ship. So why does he think it's his ship if Janeway's never heard of it? Is my question. I think he's laying. I think he's laying claim as salvage. It's his ship because it's on his rock and it's been abandoned for... He knew that it was there. That's what he was looking for. 
all this yeah. time. That's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. But it's been there all this time. So, and he knows it's been abandoned. Oh, so he so was just a salvager looking for a ship that he knew was somewhere in there. Is that what we're, we've decided? Yeah. And that's why it's his, because he's the one who's claiming it, because he's salvaging. Okay. Nobody's told her what anything about her father or the diviner or anything like gotcha. that. Gotcha. Okay. So Janeway sort of leads us to, and we sort of decide to come to this Cilium world. Um, mm-hmm. Where we're Janeway's adopting this new life protocol, even though I think we've determined there's no there's no life on the planet, right? Or there's no there's no sentient life on the planet. Well, they didn't know that until they got there. She was saying that before they got there. I see. I see. This makes sense. So just in case there was something there, because it was in the Goldilocks zone. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. It must have been. Yeah. So this is the this was uh, this is the the sole the sole real argument of the episode, and they argue about whether they're gonna go down to the planet or not. You know, Dal and yeah. uh, and Janeway. And now come, Dal one, Janeway one, because they're both kind of winning in this. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that this is the second time that there's been they've not been able to detect a life form because it's not been small enough to and not been figured they're looking for multiple life forms and not just one big life i hadn't considered that that they just didn't expand the parameters interesting yeah i mean we couldn't they they couldn't detect the uh the telepathic picture plant either which is kind of a repeat of what this is what's interesting is that so here's a here's a thing that i noticed when we came down when we landed is that this ship has mm-hmm. a landing ski yeah not only that but why did they l- just straight up land i mean the voyager didn't land every time they could sure sure i think it was like why a, didn't a, they just beam down yeah true it was down. it's a it seems like it'd be a bigger deal to land than to not land oh, yeah. but you know with the, with the size of the ship maybe it's built to land you know yeah, I mean, like there was a lot of stress on Voyager's space train frame when it when it landed. But even on this ship, the saucer section still has a big stress to hold itself up. That is true. That is true. There must be very strong beams. Have you ever built a model of any of these ships and tried to sit it on your desk without putting it on the stand first? Yeah, the Enterprise D is especially hard to have <laughs> to like balance out. Like if you if you wanted to like I don't know, for instance, you got maybe a model of it and you wanted to hang it. Like it's hard to find its center of, of you know, its center yeah. of balance. Uh, so I mean, it occurs to me that the Defiant would be the most one capable of landing, and yet the Defiant is one of the ones that just never lands. True, true, that's very and, true. I mean, the Defiant is even smaller than the Voyager, probably, possibly comparable in size to the Protostar. The Protostar. So it is on the Protostar that we have mm-hmm. our next lessons in Starfleet. Uh, yeah. Lesson one being tricorders, you know, lesson mm-hmm. one for the day being tricorders. Yep. And uh, lesson two for the day is phasers. Uh, we learned what? that there's a Federation type one phaser. Yeah, there's, there always has been. There's been a Starfleet type one phaser. Uh, oh, did they call this a Federation type one? She called it a one? Federation type one phaser, which makes sense because it looks different than a Federation, than a Starfleet Type 1 phaser. I think they're implying that it's just a newer form of the same thing. It's just been 10 years later or whatever. I think so, too. I think that's also, I think that's true. 
Lesson number three is we're learning about the Argo's uh, stepson, which is the runaway. Just before that, we, we learn about uh, how phasers work and how which way to point them. Yes. Yes, very important to know which way to point <laughs> your weapon. <laughs> which is why, by default, they are set to stun. I'm pretty sure if the moons were actually that close or big, then the hospitality of that planet would be probably pretty turbulent when we see how big and close the moons are to this, this planet. Are we ready for lesson four? Sure, go ahead. Lesson four is something that I just learned about also. Okay. It's hold on to your butt scrub handles. <laughs> is, are we doing are we doing seatbelts as well? Are we doing seatbelts and grab handles? Is that is this like a Volkswagen? Like you gotta Maybe. grab your O O S bars and then also have your seatbelt. <laughs> oh, that's bars. So those are important because of something that Zero refers to as impulse steering. Uh-huh. Do you, does that... I was trying to piece out what that is, and I don't really... I can't really think of what it is. Because impulse, in, you know, in, in this context, is a measure of your speed. Well, it's also a drive. So you could put, instead of having your impulse drive on your ship, you would have your impulse drive on your car. I just feel like impulse drive would imply a certain speed that maybe you don't want to do on a ground-based, land-based vehicle. Well, that's you know true. I mean? Even like, impulse seems uh, like hundreds of kilometers per hour instead of... Uh, isn't 0.99, 0.99c is impulse, isn't it? But yeah. I will take your word for it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think anything below the actual warp one is impulse speed. Yeah. Oh, you're okay. Yeah. Point nine nine C would be. Well, they always do talk about fractions of impulse. A C being in in the context of Star Trek, a C being one uh, warp one or one Cochrane. Well, I thought you were referring to C as the E equals M C squared. Sure. The yeah. C abs absolutely. One hundred percent. In in Star Trek, they call that a co that that unit a Cochrane. That's a... They they've also used Cochrane's as a measure of degrees, like temperature of a. Oh really? Surface of a planet, yeah. So like a heat I was, measurement. I, they had. Super, I feel like maybe they yeah. have too. Hmm. Interesting. So Pog Rock and Zero, then go for mm -hmm. a little stroll. Mm -hmm. Zero notices that there's no nutrients in the soil, but apparently mm -hmm. abundance of life that we can see. Yeah. Which I guess doesn't make much sense because I guess living things would have to have nutrients. On Earth, the reason we have uh, predatory plants, sure. like uh, Venus flytraps and so forth, yes. is they they evolved in an area where there was a lack of nu nutrients in the soil that they grow in so that's why they eat other actual life form ah. actual animals is because of the lack of nutrients so i could see I then see. now why the planet would need things to come to it and be like a venus flytrap i gotcha because of the lack of nutrients for it to feed off of. brilliant all right, so science and Earl Grey fixed a thing. <laughs> and just as we're going on this walk, Dal uh, hops in the uh, in the runaway and runs away. Yeah. And just like any good horror movie, <laughs> we all separate right then. That's yeah, divide and conquer. Yeah, it's a moment where I realize, yep. oh, we have fallen now into a horror movie because we've all decided hey, let's split up. <laughs> Always the best idea. All right, so next up. <laughs> Murph visits Gwyn 
Mm-hmm. And then he squirrels away. He's like, squirrel! And then he runs off. No, that was totally a mouse droid from Star Wars. I don't know what it was doing on the USS prototype. It was a dot. It was one of the dots. So so next, uh, Gwyn, uh, mind melts her sword out of wherever they have it stored. Yeah. And uh, and and then she melts it apparently through the bri- a brig console to blow out her uh, her force. Yeah, totally liquefied. Which yeah. is pretty wild. She she has a uh, changeling captive. Uh, Gwen escapes, you know, she tries to go and take over the ship. And then Hollow Janeway tries to stop Gwen. Uh-huh. Janeway calls out for Captain, Captain RL. Yeah. So I feel like now I feel like now I've solidified my understanding of how to pronounce his name for the first time. Okay. Because I get the Dal part, but now I know it's RL. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 uh, a capital R apostrophe E L, mm-hmm. and uh, RL is the thing. He's, he's still a cousin of Superman. Yeah, he's definitely definitely a Kryptonian. He's a Kryptonian Talaxian. <laughs> okay. Right. In, in order to get by. <laughs> In order to get by and to uh, take control of the ship, Gwen has to reset Janeway. So mm-hmm. I guess she resets the Hollow Matrix, apparently. Mm-hmm. And I, I, whether that means Janeway loses the essence of who she was from the moment that Dal activated her or not, I don't know. I, I, I was under the impression that something kind of reset, but she seemed to kind of remember what was going on and where she was at. Yeah, she had some sense of it, but I guess she just gave herself control of Janeway. I don't really know. Maybe she just mm-hmm. like installed herself as captain or something. But it looked when she when you when we did the close up on her panel. However, it looked like uh, she was lowering something. So maybe it lowered Janeway's resistance to her, perhaps. I don't know. I mean, she seemed to have like ex machina levels of yeah. control of the ship just because script. Yes, yes. That's <laughs> she. She. Yeah. I mean, he's. There was a mention, I believe, that her her father, you know, trained her to run this ship, which is another thing that makes me wonder, like, how does he know about the ship and the ship doesn't know about him? (laughs) Well, she wasn't activated. Well, and also uh, there's, I think that there was, I think that I detected sort of some some sort of uh, ambiguity between where the ship ends and where Janeway begins. Mm-hmm. Because there's a different voice actor for the ship than there is for Janeway. So they're clearly two different yeah. quote unquote individuals. But I'm also yeah. curious to like how much crossover there is between them. Well, I mean, the EMH had a separate identity from the Major Barrett computer voice. Sure, absolutely. Yes. But he also couldn't like control the phasers. Not until they gave it to him as the uh, emergency <laughs> command hologram. Emergency command hologram. Yes. <laughs> I don't, and I don't know why we just didn't call Janeway actually from the beginning uh, an emergency command hologram. Or you know, yeah, an emergency command hologram because it's sort of yeah. emergency. The ship is stranded somewhere. Yeah. You know, so an emergency command hologram would make sense, unless mm-hmm. of course there's another reason that we have the teaching robot instead. Yeah. This is sort of like this is so, so Jane. The hollow Janeway is sort of like. Uh, a next uh, a next model of the little computer in the Enterprise D classroom that had like the fish on it. 
it's sort I of used like, to have that card, and it has a name, and it's a long... Livingston. <laughs> Livingston sure. is the fish that lives in Picard's room. But this is like a fish that lives... Oh, you're talking about the... Oh, yeah, and Livingston is a Huma, Huma, Naptura, or something along those lines. Uh, well, Picard's fish no, is he's a... he's an angel fish. He's a lionfish. Lionfish, yes, he is. They're but toxic. yeah, the one in the classroom was a Huma Huma Hawaiian. Uh, it's the it's the national yeah, fish of Hawaii. Ten. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, I was pretty sure it was a word that had like ten syllables or something. It is a it is a is a long syllable word. Oh, okay. I one of the things speaking of Gwen is is why were they cuffing her at, when they left? She's in her cell. Hypothetically, without the sword, she would not have been able to escape anyway. Yeah, was she cuffed in her in her cell? Yeah, just before they left, they cuffed her in her cell. Yeah, they were doing a lot. The, yeah. Now, another thing. I mean, I, what did you say the, the the first name of the purple guy was again? His name is Dal. Dal. That fish is a humu humu kumu kuapua. <laughs> Al, more like, I mean, mm, as a matter, wow. of, <laughs> as a matter of fact, he's more more of a villain than the diviner is. Is he? How would you say? The diviner has more of a motivation than Dal does. Dal is just straight up mean. Well, Dal just wants to stay away from from people trying to control him. Well, but he's also keeps on slipping into these things are mine and this is mine and I'm the leader and he doesn't care about anybody else but what's going on for him and what's going to get him you know it, it, it took Janeway to mention that he was breaking protocol and she was going to report him to agree to go down to the planet this is true. until something was going to happen badly to him he just wanted to do his own thing this is very true Dal is just a selfish well, this is the story of the anti-hero, you know, and all well, it takes for an anti-hero to be, you know, to earn the place of anti-hero is a glimmer of humanity. And Dal, just being a child, has that glimmer, glimmer of humanity already. Right? Okay. So yeah. we can, because we can envision uh, a possibility of redemption for him. That's what the glimmer of humanity is for in mm. an anti-hero. Well, I guess I didn't figure him being the anti-hero oh he's definitely an anti-hero he's because you know a hero just has like positive qualities uh but dal is definitely you know supposed to be a focus of the show you know okay. and, and somebody yeah. whose story that we're following uh being yeah. as he was the the first you know the first thing we saw so far rock seems like the only one who's actually acts like a decent being and zero just often just goes along is willing to go along with whoever and pog is pog <laughs> that's i mean that's interesting that's an interesting take there yeah well i mean zero is the one who's always or uh, rock is the one who's always apologizing to gwenta for treating her worse than she probably should be treated um i mean if if the uh geneva convention applied which it probably doesn't um you know, they would probably be breaking some humanitarian kind of... Oh, for sure. For sure. Or alienitarian? You know, I watched... I did watch uh, Star Trek Six just yesterday. <laughs> and I, I did 
enjoy the scene again in, in listen to yourselves inalienable just the term is racist human, human rights. rights yes <laughs> like, you know she's right so the whole reason that Janeway that the Janeway gets reset by Gwen mm-hmm. is so that she can call her dad mm-hmm. so again I'm, again I'm taking back to Michael Burnham who you know in a tense situation calls Calls her mom (laughs) her dad um so zero there's a there's a series of traps that are being set in this episode right and by the dream catcher an interesting title for the episode because it is it is dreams that are being it's the dreams of these the future of these kids that's mm. being caught by this planet. So clever yeah. title, Dreamcatcher. So Zero finds Zero's lure. Zero finds Zero's lure. Lure, lure, the thing that lures lure. Zero into the oh, trap. Okay. Yeah. So that is a puzzle, you know, something because Zero, yeah. we're kind of taking Zero like a, like Zero's a machine, although Zero's really not a machine. Zero's a Medusan gas cloud, but we're sort of going with Zero's like you know the engineer machine thing because of the appearance i guess i think she's going to turn out they are going to turn out to be more of the science officer i'm pretty sure pog is taken over strictly as the engineer engineer sure speaking of pog next pog finds his lure so speaking of his lure yes how does pog even smell anything through a sealed ev suit you know there was a mention later. Zero said that they were exposed to some spores. But when? I, I, thank you. That's Pog? my question. I don't know when this happened. Pog put the suit on before the door even before opened. Before the door, yeah. So, um, I, I but don't. at the same time, later on, pretty soon he'll be dipping his own helmet, taking off <laughs> his helmet, and dipping it into the stew. It's Why not stew. Well, it's not, but he thinks it is. But even if it, yeah, no, agreed. Even if it were, why would he take his own helmet off and then dip it in someone's stew? He don't know whose stew is it. He don't know what's in the stew. He don't know if yeah. it's caustic. He don't know if it's, yeah. yeah caustic yeah, to yeah, him, probably, anyway. No. But they're all high. They're all high. So their inhibitions have been lowered, and they're not worried about things they should be worried about. Uh, that's okay. the explanation, and Jack Dorino just fixed the thing. <laughs> okay. We'll have to play our my sound bite in reverse. Uh, after Pog finds his lure, Rock Talk finds her lure. A little cute animal. Uh, you went kitty, so I uh, went bunny. Probably, yeah, bunny. It had longer appendages on its head than, like, cat ears. Yeah. Uh, it's, this thing's, like, sort of happening, start happening sort of rapid fire now. So once we've, mm-hmm. once we've got into, the like, the crux of, like, the point of the episode we've gotten into all the lures and now zero actually enters the trap yeah like, quite literally like he goes into the maze and gets lost <laughs> in the maze and not even lost in the maze but lost in this puzzle that is inside the maze which is not even the maze after zero actually enters the trap is when dal finds his lure mm-hmm. um, but it's well yeah dal was busy wandering at the ocean and the sea yeah having a good time enjoying himself <laughs> Okay, so speaking of Dow, they, they we go to Dow when Janeway is calling him, and then we see him looking at the ocean. Yes. But why? It, once Janeway couldn't reach Dow, why didn't she try to call somebody else for help? Because huh. there was a hmm. few moments before she got 
deactivated and reactivated or whatever and, and Gwen hacked her systems that she could have called somebody else for help. That's a very good point. She definitely could have called someone else for Well, could she? I Maybe she has a protocol. Maybe he set a protocol not to have her call anyone but him because he's the captain. That seems like a egotistical kind of protocol to set or a have you met that rl <laughs> like i said he said all the lack of foresight on that on his part what if someone else tries to take the ship what if he's incapacitated well and they better save him and if somebody else is trying to take the ship she needs to be able to warn the people that are going to help her take it back maybe in the future we'll we'll fix that problem because that's clearly become the problem in this episode <laughs> yeah and keeping together thankfully the lure is not uh, all that skilled apparently at being a lure because it clumsily tries mm -hmm. to trap Dal but then includes some elements that can't be in yeah. Dal's presence such as the hologram yeah or even the fact that his parents don't have a face. Yeah. So, that starts I mean, to trigger him right away. That, that'll that clue him off to, okay, um, this is not, this is not okay. Yeah. But then she got creepy right away. Christopher running out of episode, but. Of course. Yeah, she did. <laughs> she also delivers the, the line of the episode. Last episode, I think it was, how do I get my feet on the ground or something like that? Uh-huh. This episode is Janeway saying, life is everywhere. <laughs> or, you know, Dal's hallucination of Janeway. Yeah. Which I guess is actually just Dal saying that life is I, everywhere. I don't think it was quite a hallucination. I don't think these things were hallucinations so much as the plant was actually recreating yeah, these I was things. not sure what was happening either because they did mention the spores. Well, the weeds were definitely growing out of the back of Janeway. So no, no, go ahead. So what? So what I? So what I was thinking of was that what gave it, what changed things for me was that we, we're, I'm not quite, we're not quite there yet. But um, mm. uh, so Dal tries to warn the others. Gwen ignores him and tries to take mm -hmm. the ship and abandon everyone. Right, and mm -hmm. then the ship uh, shows us the ship. Oh, by the way, the ship shows us its most coolest aspect, like the way. I don't know if you've noticed the scene, but it's like we're looking up at the ship from behind and it okay. looks like a kind of a star. Like it's wild. It's gonna okay. go back and, and see it. Um, Dal rescues Zero. Zero explains the joke. And then Zero and Dal rescue Rock Top, which is when I come to the point where I realize, oh, this must be a hallucination because when we come up on Rock, Rock is just writhing around in dirt and like- it's Just buried in sand. Yeah. So well, that's what made me think, oh, it must be a hallucination that they're seeing. For for hers, yeah, they definitely could seem like a hallucination. But there are definitely points when, like, the Janeway telling Dal to stay, or even uh, the, the Diviner telling Gwen, let's look around a little bit, or you're, it, it's fine, you're here, have a hug. Um, there was definitely, that was definitely a solid interaction interacting with that individual i feel um, like that as well i just you know obviously the stew wasn't really there he was although he was putting something into his mouth i'm not sure indeed. what it was it was um, dirt <laughs> i guess but, but but speaking of rock's uh, hallucination there's one thing i was confused about rock yes please do tell is she magnetic why do you say 
Well, she put the combat on herself, not a part <laughs> yes. of her outfit. That's very true. You know, I think they have some sort of space age Velcro that sticks to anything. <laughs> the other thing I hypostulated was pos- <laughs> hypothesis. Hypostulated, postulated, and hypothesis put together. And she just kind of wedged it between two of her rocks. Sure. Absolutely. Point. She didn't need a pin, a bobby pin, or anything, or even the magnets I mean, on the How are you going to pin it to a rock? <laughs> well, that's why I was wondering if she's magnetic, because they've and indicated that they're not pinned. Those combatches aren't pinned on. They're magnetized. And uh, how does a rock feel the wet kisses? She's a living rock. She's got to be able to feel something. It's become like wet gravel. <laughs> Does it smell like a like a wet road in the rain? There was another thing that I want to mention about her, and, and it kind of threw me off, but then I started to notice they were doing it for everybody. When they were showing from her perspective, they also saw showed the inside of the tricorder, and for a second it looked like not the tricorder, but it was a HUD that somehow she the, when she's looking through her eyes, she's seeing a HUD. A heads-up display? Yes. The acronym for which being HUD? Yes. In this case, it would probably be a heads-down display because it was at the bottom of her vision. Okay. So, But that's confusing because then it becomes an HDD, which, as we all know, is a hard disk drive. <laughs> heads-down display. Okay. Yeah. Uh, All right. Or... So, Pog is rescued. Yes. And then Zero explains the joke more succinctly. Now, what I mean by when I say Zero, Zero explains yes, the joke is that Zero lays out for us, for us, the audience, and presumably for the audience, it's around Zero's yeah. time. Here's what's going on around us, just so yeah. we could all be on the same page. The planet is eating yeah. us. Yeah. So this is what Zero explains to Dell. And then later, uh, when we're, you know, we want to explain it a little more quickly after we get Pog, it's, you know, Zero is like, hey, the planet's trying to eat us, basically. <laughs> Without saying it. I don't know how anybody well, pieced it together. Like, oh, they're trying zero. to sap the nutrients from... Yeah, Zero is saying it in the uh, Spock way. Yes. And Dal simplifies it into, yeah, they're trying to eat us. Yep. Yep. And then the, to tell Pog what's going on. Yeah. So then now after we've all gotten our lures, gotten to our traps, now is the time in the episode mm-hmm. where Gwen enters her trap. Uh-huh. But the trap, similar to Captain RL's, is a little bit too sweet. Okay. Yeah, you know, because there's no way the Diviner is going to be like, I'm proud of you. Mm, uh, well, sure. Oh, I just determined what our new, what our next <laughs> uh, celebrity voice commercial is going to be. <laughs> okay. I'm not the Diviner. But you are listening to Let's Talk About Tracks. You, might need to, you can record it that way, but you might need to pitch it down. Okay. <laughs> it's still like a sudden. So um, Gwen, once again, now, now let's let's if we count back over this, I think this is the this is the third t- the third time perhaps that Gwen tries to abandon everyone. Okay. Because you know, she tries to take off the first time. Yeah. Uh, she when when Dal calls, she ignores him, and then she tries she tries to abandon everybody by taking the ship away, right? Okay. Sure. Uh, and then when she goes into the trap, the trap fails. She again tries to abandon everybody. 
and then decides that she's just going to abandon the ship instead in a shuttlecraft that doesn't exist, by the way, because there's nothing on the ship that's not bolted down, correct? She had it replicated after. Oh, okay, okay. Now that explains that. I I bet you they replicated all their cargo and stuff again, too. I I guess, because there's the cargo that trapped Murph. They have photon torpedoes again, so... uh, Apparently we just we used the replicators. We re- replicated everything, so that's good. So anytime we want, we can just drop everything out. But so uh, why do we even keep everything around? There was a callback. Please do tell. To me. escape the ship, she didn't. Well, she tried to go to the escape pods first. She remembered all those. <laughs> that's right. We don't have any of those. <laughs> I noticed, by the way, that the shuttlecraft bore the number six, and yeah. the, uh, the runaway, runaway had the number seven. Yeah. So let's let's give them a little leeway, and we'll say that the ACK pods may have been one, two, and three. <laughs> Four, five. So what are well? There were only three escape pods, so we ejected all of them. Right. So we have six and seven. So I'm wondering what four and five are. <laughs> okay. I mean, I could be wondering what one, two, three, sure four, and five. More than three. What escape pods? Yeah. No, we counted them. It you said, did. It said okay. it said ejecting escape pod one, ejecting oh, okay. escape pod two. Ejecting escape pod three, and then she said, "Please let there be more escape pods." And then the ship goes, "There are no more escape pods." <laughs> okay. On the ship, on that whole ship, why is there only three escape pods? I mean, you only have to fit twenty people into three escape pods if anything goes wrong. Mm-hmm. So you know, no worries. It's I mean, the ship is so small; it's kind of its own escape pod. Yeah. <clears throat> like, do they? Okay, so here's the question: Do runabouts have escape pods? Runabouts are escape pods. Are they though? They, if they're the secondary ves- vessel or the small vessel to a larger thing, they would be used as escape pods. Okay, so let's say like the Raven. Did the Raven have an escape pod? Hopefully. Okay, it didn't work. Cruise ships have lifeboats. Yes, they do. But does a small fishing boat have a lifeboat? Mine would. Touche. If I if I had, a, if I had a rowboat, I'd have an escape raft. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, I, I my car has an escape pod in it. Like, I can push it a button does. before an accident happens Your and check me out of the ceiling, and then it what pops out a parachute. <laughs> no, man. Don't press the red Jack button. Jack Dorino. <laughs> Dorino. Jack Dorino. T.O. Gray Dorino. <laughs> so, so, and then our final act of the episode is that Gwen strands them all. Well, actually, the final act of the episode is that Dal accuses Gwen of stranding them all. Again, Dal being a dick. But it's true. It's true. She, she did just told everybody. Well, then... She tried to escape three times, and it didn't work. And she wouldn't stop. And then that made them get stranded. You were saying the other day, though, that Dal was really the one that had stranded them all. You know, I... Okay, so... It's really not, though. I kind of felt like it was at the time, but it wasn't. Because it wasn't even Mm -hmm. his choice to go down to the planet. He didn't even Mm -hmm. want to go down to the planet. So here's a couple things I didn't understand. And I have also a hypothesis on what's going to happen next week. Okay, I like that. You mean next week on Star Trek Prodigy? Episode 5, Terra Firma. Is that what it's going to be called? It's called... called, I'm sorry, did I say Terra Firma? I meant... (laughs) Terror, Firma. Oh, 
So, first of all, my thing is kind of odd. Zero, when does them need legs? But if Mur Murphith is a thing of goo, how did Murph get stuck between two cargo containers? Would you just shapeshift between them? Or is sure. Murph a solid? I I think Murph is, I think Murph is a gel. Oh, okay. Well still, I mean Murph could get between those containers. Murph I don't I think she was right earlier on in the episode. He's smarter than he looked. Well, they're smarter than they look. I am gonna agree with you. I believe that to be true as well. Still. I think that Murph was doing that intentionally to try to be trapped and behind. Get her to feel something for somebody that's not just her. Super interesting. Uh, I mean, he, I think he allowed himself to be distracted by the dot. Sure, um, I do definitely think Murph took off on purpose after that yeah, thing. But I also noticed as they're escaping, they show her escaping twice. I think at some point the planet created a duplicate protostar with a duplicate of oh. Gwen, possibly Murph. We're, we're we're left to assume that the smoking the smoke coming off the horizon is the crash protostar. No, 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 no. We never saw smoke coming off the horizon. We saw smoke yeah, coming off. No, we did not. We saw smoke coming out where the shuttle landed. There was no smoke when the Prodigy disappeared over the horizon. There was nothing. It just disappeared. Nothing. And then in the next second, there was the shuttlecraft and smoke coming off the shuttlecraft when the shuttlecraft hit ground. I did notice that, and I'm glad that you're bringing it up now because I think that now with the with that piece added in, I think that it, that yeah, that makes sense. I think because I was trying to figure out well, how did they what the hell happened to the ship? Yeah, the the other thing like, is like are they just going to be stranded on this planet? Well, that wouldn't. I mean, maybe given the title for at no. least another so, yeah. so I think that yeah maybe and but I do think that yeah the ship is going to appear from somewhere because they I think the ship is just hidden from them I think you're absolutely right I don't think that was the ship at all the other thing is is when she was trying to escape and the and the tendrils were wrapped around it mm -hmm. why didn't she just turn off the engines and tell it to land again why didn't she so use that the it wouldn't overheat and, and blow up free that too well, she's not that experienced as an officer, so she might not have thought of that. But okay. if you just were to stop trying to break free, re-land the ship, clear the ship, and then take off again. I mean, clear the ship as many times as you need to. Obviously, it's going to try to keep doing it again and again. You know, or wait until the guys come back so that they can help you escape. I mean, you all want to escape. But when they finally find her in the shuttle, she's definitely been traumatized by these events she's barely got a hold of murph murph's just like hey what's up but she's traumatized and he goes and just dares to you know attack her after some traumatic event this is not that's not what a starfleet officer would do for sure i know he's not a starfleet officer but murph helped gwen learn the lesson we don't starfleet officers don't leave their teammates behind sure absolutely absolutely so there's so now now we have now we have from Gwyn a little bit of the anti-hero because now we're getting a glimmer, glimmer of humanity from her we have a constant glimmer of humanity well, from her like because we yeah. saw her reaction after uh, rock talk read her for filth and now we have the uh the reaction from from Gwyn of taking murph with her mm-hmm 
they're going to find out that it's not the ship or it's yeah. not as bad as they are implying. I'm, I'm with you on that. Although that is going to be quite a Terra trek to it, get to. It is. It's going to be, it's going to be Trek Affirma. <laughs> trek Affirma. Now, these kinds of arches that we see, the stone arches that we see all over the planet. Yes. Those rings. Those rings. Yeah. Are... On Earth, those are very rare phenomena. They are extremely rare. And they, so I don't, I don't know where they're coming from so easily on this planet. Yeah, it's very if interesting. If they're indeed they, made out of a rock. Yeah. Well, we'll. I think we can take the idea that, that the planet is alive, so it's just been forming stuff itself. Yeah, doing whatever it feels like. Yeah. Something exciting for this week, uh, which is when we're going to be watching Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, Episode 5, Terror Firma, Mm -hmm. is that we also have the advent of a new season of Star Trek Discovery. Already? We do, yes, already. This season starts with an episode uh, on Thursday, the same day as Prodigy. It's called Kobayashi Mm -hmm. Maru. Hmm. Are we going to finally see the historical events that came up with the test? We're going to be in the 31st, 32nd century. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But we've already established that uh, Captain Michael Burnham has had her Kobayashi Maru like three times already. She she keeps having it again and again and again. (laughs) She never learns the lesson. (laughs) She does. Well, she learns lessons, you know? She's she's definitely advanced as a character, so... But uh, I guess we, we have reached the end of this episode. Uh, do we have a science corner this episode? Crew three made it to the ISS. Did I mention that last time? You may have. There was another launch the next day that my that, that somebody is telling me about. And uh, I don't know who did the launch. I never verified the information, but... Uh, I wasn't sure why they did a, needed to do a second launch right after Crew 3 launched the day before. I imagine that it was probably not SpaceX and NASA this time. It was probably Blue Origin or something, or possibly Virgin Mobile. Uh, speaking of Blue Origin, I, uh, I was on Twitter earlier today, and I read that uh, one, of the, uh, one of the crew members of Blue Origin uh, died. Uh, yeah. Uh, one of the one of the crew members that went up to space with William Shatner died. So, uh, Glenn Devry, Devries, Devries. If it's French, the the S is probably silent. I would guess probably Devries. Okay. So Glenn Devries was a businessman who flew to space last month with Jeff Bezos's company Blue Origin, and he mm-hmm. died in a small plane crash on Thursday. Small plane oh, plane crash in New Jersey. Plane. So, the FAA is uh, is investigating the crash, and it is, uh-huh. it is actually pretty sad. They said that he brought a lot of life and energy to the entire Blue Origin team. Mm-hmm. So, fond farewell to another of our Starfleet brothers. <laughs> You're gonna make me cry. It's okay. It's gonna be okay. So uh, tomorrow we will be our fans will be able to watch. Um, That's like two days from now. Oh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, I see. Today, to, from the re, re, yeah, from the day of release. Yes, absolutely. You're correct. <laughs> yes. Now, so we're watching Terror for Yes, and and Kobayashi Maru. 
Some of us will. Half of us will. We'll talk about that soon. But uh, I guess we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. It's been a great show. And now's the time when Earl says that thing he says. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Stay positive. Dream big. And we will hear from you next time. Well, Don't forget to like and subscribe. Please do. Support yeah, the continued making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kako 3 Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.